Hello and welcome to 51st Coffees. So why 51st Coffees? Now, this is very little to do with coffee and everything to do with connection through conversation, plus finding out how far can a good conversation go. There are 52 weeks in a year and I look forward to speaking to someone new inside and outside my social circle at least once a week. These are people I admire for a whole bunch of reasons. They are fueled by ambition, passion, greed, curiosity. They are from a wide range of industries. They are from all around the world and they're still figuring it all out. This this whole thing in every sense of it is a first for me. My name is Masha Aida. and welcome to my 51st coffees In this episode we are all about money, entrepreneurship and financial freedom with Valentine Joroge. Valentine Joroge is amazing. She is the co-founder and CEO of both Mradi Fund and Africa's Pocket. She is a financial expert on all things wealth management with an MBA from the University of Oxford and an impressive portfolio and experience to match. She is an all-round badass, taking over the world in a dress and killer heels. Here's Valentine. Where did it start for me? I think that I would have to say it started in my family. My entire family are entrepreneurs from my grandparents, actually even my great-grandmother was an entrepreneur all the way to oh, nice. to me. um and my sisters and my brother and it's always been something that's been inherent in me i've always been selling and buying things and i'm very sort of passionate about problem solving um my mom started out life as a teacher and then in like a year was like i can't do this <laughs> i'm not going to spend, i'm not going to spend my life in a classroom with children who don't listen to me so she yeah. went on her own and i think her story has always been really inspiring to me because it was quite brave of her to to do what she did yes. she had to when she was super young um she was in uni and she decided to leave her steady job and start entrepreneurship when she had a one year old baby for me it's like okay this is the way it's the path so um i guess that's kind of where the fire came from and you know through that i i, I was very very blessed to go to good schools and i had an opportunity to go to school in the states and that's i think where my world opened up yeah. i saw that the world is much bigger than nairobi much bigger than valentine and that's for me where my passion for for having a global impact came was when i got my first job um out of the us uh, i worked at uh, morgan stanley which is an investment bank out there and i moved over to the wealth management uh division where i used to manage people's money for them and it was ultra high net worth individuals And I remember wow. the first deal I was working on somebody had 10 million they were like I have 10 million dollars can you invest it and I'm like what, what? is 10 million dollars <laughs> you know what I mean? as in that's a billion Kenya shillings someone just that's their change yeah. I was just like I'm I like, what <laughs> so for me that's I think the journey that has been for me and ever since then I've just had a global mindset I've wanted to do things that are bigger than me things that seem out of reach and I've been blessed to have a lot of good mentors around me. It's been it's been quite a journey. So Africa's Pocket the company that I'm currently running is actually my second major venture. The first one is called Muradi Fund. Oh, yes. It still exists. Oh, yes. Um but it has pivoted a lot from what it was. So when I came back from the US, um I came back and I worked, I got a job, 
but I had in the same field of wealth management. So I had a lot of clients who used to ask me for other opportunities because what we used to do for them was, you know, help them invest in the stock market, help them invest in uh, maybe bonds, just very, you know, um, easy access opportunities. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them wanted to invest in other businesses. And I've always been involved in the entrepreneurship space. So I knew a lot of entrepreneurs who were looking for money. So what I started doing was connecting these SMEs with investors because I knew a bunch of people with money and I knew a bunch of people who needed it. And maybe the third or fourth time I did this, um, the person, the investor on the other side asked me, so how much do you charge for this? And I was like, I can, I can charge for this? Whoa. Okay, interesting. <laughs> So I started doing it as a side hustle. So I just used to consult on the weekends. I would help them put together their pitch decks. I would help, you know, put together financials. I would curate the meetings, make sure that, you know, the investor and the entrepreneur who are meeting have the same values and that kind of thing. And it grew. So by the time I was clocking a year at this job that I got when I came back, my side hustle was bringing in way more money than my salary. So I decided to quit and just make this a fully fledged business. And what I decided to do was make it to try and make it scale. So I built an online platform that would now match investors with entrepreneurs, which is now today called crowdfunding. Um, and, you know, we essentially built the first crowdfunding platform in Kenya. Wow. What ended up happening is that we ran into some regulatory issues. We were told, you know, you're not, you're not licensed to do this. Um, so I ended up switching gears and kind of going to talk to pa different partners who, could, who I could ride on their license. And that's how I ended up working at Centum, which is my most recent employment opportunity. Because yeah. Centum was coming on as a, as a partner, but eventually they got me to switch gears and just become an employee. <laughs> but I was having way more impact. <laughs> so for me, I think um, when, I, when I think about entrepreneurship, the reason why this Africa's pocket makes sense for me is the same reason why going back to employment with Centum made sense because of the impact. Yeah. And I think now I'm a lot more mature in my career. I'm a lot more grounded in what I want to do, in what my mission is. And, you know, finance has always been at the center of my career. But I think for me, more than finance, what's important is impact. And that's what Africa's pocket does. It takes a skill that I've learned and that I've gotten to understand better than most people and made it accessible to the everyday person. The, the initial idea with Africa's Pocket was to create these online courses so that people can jump on them whenever they have time and are consistently self-educating on personal finances. Because I think when your money is right, a lot of things in your life are right. You That's know? so true. It declutters, yeah, it declutters your mind. It gives you opportunities to think. It lets you be innovative. So like, just get your money right. And we thought that online courses are a very good way to do this because you can do them at your own time, at your own pace. You, you can do them privately so you don't have to feel embarrassed that you, know, you don't know a certain thing. And so that's the first thing we offer. We offer online courses on several topics on finance, all the way from investing to like buying a car. And then we also have webinars that we hold every other month um, that are sort of an opportunity to, to experience a little bit of what's in our courses in a sort of low cost, uh, stress-free environment yeah. where you're not, it's not educative. And yeah. I love it because there's um, a chance for it to be interactive as well. Exactly, exactly. I love doing webinars and, even, well, it was to be events, but now because of Corona, it's webinars. <laughs> yeah. And I love doing them <laughs> because I get to hear 
you know, straight up feedback from people, the questions that people ask, you know, there's some things that are so nuanced that you won't be able to get if someone is watching on their own. Yes. So that's important. It's very important to us. And we're also creating tools that help you make financial decisions uh, the right way. So the first one that we have out is a budgeting tool. It just helps you budget better. It helps you understand what your goals will actually cost you in the long run. You know, sometimes you think, oh, um, I need a hundred million to retire, but actually maybe you need much less. And maybe because of compounding, you can actually put away 10K today and have a hundred million in a couple of years. And so we're going to continue creating a bunch of tools. I think the tools are really exciting to me because it's the intersection of finance, technology, and psychology. Yeah. And we are going to allow people to make decisions without them having to understand deep finance concepts, which I think is, is super cool. What myths have you heard like about entrepreneurship and what for sure is truly entrepreneurship, according to you? Hey, the myths are many. Entrepreneurship is freedom. <laughs> when you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're your own boss, my friends. Your clients are your boss. <laughs> <laughs> your bank is your boss. Your employees are your boss. It's crazy. It is, it is um, I think, a very rewarding path to go down, but it is not easy. And it takes a lot of sacrifice. You know, it's quite counterintuitive because a lot of people assume that entrepreneurship is the way that you're going to make it big, make the, you know, the millions, yeah, and become Jeff Bezos. Exactly. And it's true. The most billionaires in the world have been made from entrepreneurship, but also 90% of entrepreneurs fail. 90. Imagine that. So... It takes a lot of grit, man. It really, you have to be able to, A, you need to be super agile. You need to be very adaptable. You need to be passionate enough about your idea, but also um, objective enough to change it when it needs to change. And I think it, you know, it's a labor of love. It's like, it's like being, a, I usually say to my friends and people around me that my companies are my first children, honestly, because... <laughs> I love <laughs> companies they're like children you know they're they born and you're so excited oh my god and then they just start collecting money you know and, <laughs> and then suppose you're just you can't sleep you know yeah you can't sleep sometimes you have to give up your food for it to eat there's a lot that is similar right yeah. entrepreneurship and parenthood i think that just like parenthood it it is for it's not for everybody and when it does work out it's very rewarding but when it doesn't, it's like having a problematic child who is always going to jail and who is to do what. One of the things that a lot of entrepreneurs, I think, should do better is know when to let go of an idea, when to pivot it. Because I see um, people really chasing uh, good ideas with bad money or bad ideas with good money, meaning you've been trying, trying, trying this thing for five years. So you think, let me get an investor, even if it hasn't worked in five years. It's also okay not to be an entrepreneur. I think is one of the things that I would want to say. And those who are entrepreneurs, it's important to be flexible, to be adaptable. What have been some of your milestones, by the way, like so far? Uh, overall, one of my proudest moments was the day that I started my MBA at Oxford. Oh. That was an amazing day. It was very, I think I hadn't quite realized that's what I was doing until I sat in that chair and had my name tag. And that was um, quite a moment because I think it opened a lot of doors to a lot of people around me were like, okay, we can do this. This is a thing that's accessible to us, which I think was very powerful. And so I'm very proud of that. Uh -huh. um, 
I think another very pivotal moment was the day we we opened our offices at Africa's Pocket. Yeah. Because it, yeah, that was that was quite a day because it it just you know concretized this thing that we had been working on. My co-founder and I had been working on it for about a year at that point. We'd been working from home. Um, we'd actually had a shared office before that, but it was not great. <laughs> um, and having a space that was our own, that had our sign, our logo, oh my God. was very grounding yeah. in that, you know, this is a real business. This is a thing we're doing and people know about it and you just have to continue with it. Exactly. I think committing to my partner has also been quite momentous. I think having the right partner in life oh, is very of that. important. Yeah. Mm. I mean, not having a partner is fine too, but like, it's great to have a partner. And it, it's, it has been... A very different kind of journey being with somebody who understands not only understands but supports the dream and is a thought partner to me uh, that has been a big factor of my success I think what's like maybe one or two tips you would actually like um, tell someone who's uh, considering to embark on an entrepreneurial um, journey the first thing I would say is there isn't much reward to doing things in a small way if you're doing it, just do it and like take the plunge, go for it. Um, and, and if you're not ready to get to that point, do it as a side hustle first. Mm -hmm. See how it's going. But when you're doing it, when you decide this is what I'm going to spend my life doing, because that's entrepreneurship, it's a lifelong journey. Yeah. Um, so that day when you decide this is actually what I'm doing, do it big. Just go all in there. Just go all in. I think that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is your mentorship network is so important. Entrepreneurship is lonely. Yeah. And you need people around you who either have been there before or who understand you and are able to guide you because you can really get lost in putting your head down. And for me, I think, like I said, my partner is important. He is one of my mentors. All of the other people who support me in, you know, fields, you know, areas that I don't know that well, like technology or like I don't like doing accounting. So having somebody who push me to make sure I do it, those things are important. And understanding where your uh, weaknesses are and surrounding yourself with people who complement you is key. So those are the two things I would say. Plunge and have the right group of people around you. I know you get a lot of questions on money like constantly i'm, I'm mm -hmm. seeing you doing videos where you're answering questions about money but i'm so curious mm -hmm. like i just want to know what are some of the questions that you get asked the most and what are your answers to this the most the number one question i get asked is what should i invest in if i have x amount of money yeah <laughs> give me an example by the way I am not. My, my answer is always, I cannot give you that kind of advice without understanding <laughs> you, your circumstances, and your priorities. And if anybody is giving you advice on investments just like that, don't listen to it. It's not good advice. <laughs> because... <laughs> Okay, it's our problem. Because we want we shortcuts. We just want to be like, yo, have 50k. How do I invest? Exactly. Like, what do I do with my 50k? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what you're going. I don't know what you're trying to do. You know. <laughs> Gosh. So my answer to that question is always start with your goals. Understand your risk profile. 
And I think this is so important because one person will be comfortable putting their 50K in Forex. And if they lose it, it's okay because it's not the only 50K they have. But somebody else could have saved that 50K for three years. Oh, yes. Those two people cannot invest the same way. So understanding your goals is really, really useful. It's very important. And then understanding yourself and your risk profile and how you will react to the, the worst possible scenario happening. Those are the two most important things I would say understand about yourself. Once you know those two things, then it's quite um, straightforward to allocate different assets to your goals. So, you know, on the lowest risk profile, you have T-bills, which is when you lend, you give your money to the government for a period of time, less than a year. And on the highest end, you have like currencies and spot trading and those other kinds of things. And in between, you have all sorts of things like shares in the stock market and even within shares in the stock market, it, you know, the sector you invest in matters. Um, there's real estate. Even within real estate, again, the type of real estate you invest in is has different risk profiles. So like if you're investing in, I don't know, a, a house in Karen versus um, Mabati houses in, I don't know, Malaba, yeah. the risk is different because each of them, you know, cost different amounts. It's easier to get a tenant for one versus the other ETC. So there, there's so many variables as you can see, that there's no way that somebody can answer that question in a Q&A, right? Yeah. So don't listen to advice about investing just willy-nilly from the internet. <laughs> I, find, <laughs> I find retirement super interesting because it's this thing that it will happen. For sure, you will retire unless you die first, yeah. but you will retire. But it's going to happen. You know, it will happen. It's, it's, it's kind of like if you plan to get married, I think you should start saving for your wedding the minute you decide you're going to get married, even if you're 20 and you've not met the person, just start because it's going to happen. It's going to be an expense. But that's the same thing with retirement. And I used to think that I'll need so, so, so much money to retire. But when I actually sat down and I asked myself, what do I want to do with my life? Like when I'm finished working. Yeah. And there are very few things. I want to be able to travel maybe once or twice a year. That's going to cost me, what, 300000 yeah. in, you know, the money of that time. Then I want to, you know, be able to enjoy the time with my kids. So I need to have a nice house. Maybe that will cost me another, let's say, $20 million. Then I'll want to be able to mentor uh, entrepreneurs. That costs me nothing but my experience. Maybe I'll need an office or something like that. So when I really think about 300000 my actual ex, because I'll own my house, hopefully by then. Yes. And then maybe I run my house for another 100 k eat. I go to, I don't know, the golf club and whatnot. Exactly. Truly, yeah. Running, running my life when I'm retired is going to cost maybe 200000 a month, which seems like a lot of money. But my retirement is 40 years away. So... If I, I did the calculation, and for me, if I put away 15000 a month, I will have about $65 million when I retire, which when you invest, you will get $6.5 a year. Wow. If you divide that by 12, that's 540000 a month. Wow. What can't I do? It is so, so, so accessible. And I usually say, honestly, it's not magic. It's just mathematics. It's just maths. It's division and addition and subtraction. And f attaining financial freedom is not, it's not difficult. It is, it is one plus one equals two. But it's not easy. So it is a simple equation, but it is not easy to do. Maybe you just backtrack and just like, what exactly is, like by definition, what is financial freedom? And you know, like, I think you've already said this, but how can we set ourselves up to achieve this? Financial freedom for me is 
well, the academic definition of financial freedom is the day that your passive income, so that's interest from your investments, surpasses your expenses. Oh. And so there's two ways to achieve this. One is by increasing your passive income, and second is by reducing your expenses. So there's this uh, movement called the FIRE movement. It's called Financial Independence Retire Early. And it's a movement of people who want to retire when they're in their late 30s, early 40s, like very, very early in life. And by retire, they don't mean that now they don't work anymore. It just means that they don't have to work anymore. Oh, I get and it's that. a huge movement. Like if, I've been seeing that. Yeah, around. if you Google fire, yeah. you see it. Yeah, I've been seeing Exactly. So the primary way that people who are trying to achieve fire do it is by reducing their expenses. They live a very frugal life. So you'll find that they drive very old cars, they eat, you know, generic brands, some of them grow their own food, or they live in very cheap cities, etc. Yeah. So they do everything they can to reduce their expenses so that they are saving a very huge amount of their income. And you find that people, these people usually end up, you know, saving 70 to 80% of their income. Now, I personally have no interest in living my life like that currently. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, power to those who do, yes. but I may want to enjoy my life. Yeah. So I want to you know, drink my rosé. I want to go to Masai Mara. Like, I want to enjoy. So, <laughs> so the alternative thing for me is to increase my passive income. Yeah. And for me, as, as Valentine, that means a couple of things. The first thing it means is that I cannot lose my capital. So I'm quite conservative in how I invest. I try not to take too many risks with too much of my money. And then... I also try to, as much as possible, save more than half of my income. And what that means for me is that I invest a lot in my ability to make more money. So I invest a lot in personal development. I invest a lot in, like now with entrepreneurship, I've invested quite a bit in this business to, so that, you know, with the hope that it will return multiples. And so everything else that I make, I put into very conservative investments that I know will just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate. And one day I'll have you know, that's the money I need for that retirement or whatever other goals I have along the way. So for me, that's what financial freedom is. And I personally right now feel very financially free because I can see my, I can see that, that uh, finish line. Even if it's 10, 12, 15 years away, I know it's there. I know how I'm going to get there. And so the first step is knowledge and education and making a plan. And understanding this is actually, I don't actually need that much money. And if I put away X every month and then I invest it in X, I will get that lump sum I need, or I will be able to go on that holiday once a year, or I'll be able to, you know, do my acrylic nails every month if I want. It's, it's about, um, for me, it's about removing that anxiety from what's my financial future going to be. That's what financial freedom is. I'd love to hear what it means to you. Oh, for me, it's, uh, how do I put it? It's almost kind of what you're saying, but like, um, this is what I envision. I, I want to have this beautiful home where mm-hmm. I can host guys for dinner. I love hosting. So I want to have a beautiful nice, uh-huh. home where I can host dinner parties and small barbecues and Sunday brunch for family and friends, like something of the sort. I want to have like um, a nice um, home study where I do my stuff and my, my work and I follow my passions. Mm-hmm. I want to um, maybe um, finish off and have like a foundation I have created or something of the sort. Mm-hmm. I want to have a, a nice uh, little family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I like that. exactly, I want to be able to travel. I haven't traveled like 
in fact, let me just say, I haven't traveled at all. So I really want mm-hmm. a chance to actually vacation twice a year and be able mm-hmm. to do that without really, without um, being anxious about it. You know, like that is something that I can be able to do. I love it. I think a lot of people have a similar vision. And I, and I wanted to ask you that question just so that um, even people who are listening can see that it's not, it's not so complicated. Yes. You know? Yes. It's not that complex. People just want to feel loved, to feel a sense of belonging, to have your basic needs taken care of, and to some extent have some self-actualization. And that's about it. Exactly. It's, not, it's never that crazy. <laughs> like no one actually wakes up wanting to go to the moon and, and build, you know, SpaceX or Tesla. There are very few people who are like that. If you could share, like, what's like one mistake or like one or two mistakes you've done, like uh, you've made dealing with money, or on your entrepreneurial journey? Wait, just one. (laughs) (laughs) I think the biggest mistake I have personally made is not trust my judgment when it comes to money matters. I think, especially as women, we have very strong instincts. And if something is seeming a bit funny, you know, look twice. And I have been in many situations where even I have said, I shouldn't do this. Then I say, "Ah, but I can make so much money when I do it anyway." <laughs> oh gosh, I've been a couple of those, and I have always lost my money. Always, I've so, been there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one. Listen to your inner voice, your gut feeling. You know, your God, whatever it is that tells you that voice that you hear. Listen to it. I think also, not. I guess it, this is kind of related, but not doing enough due diligence on both financial opportunities in entrepreneurship, especially on people that you're bringing on board. Exactly. Um, as hires, I think that's, that's been, that's been a le- especially, yeah, I've learned that lesson in a strong way that lately. And it's something that I definitely want to do a bit better at just spending more time because it doesn't hurt to spend, you know, another two weeks doing an interview or another two weeks evaluating an opportunity to save yourself, you know, six months, years of anguish. So I love that. I've, I was, I've been speaking with, uh, and this is so weird, like almost around um, four women have actually like asked me like, how do you deal with people? You know, like your workforce, like how do you deal with um, like people like I've made this mistake. Oh my God, I think I hired too fast. Oh, you know this, I should probably do a probation period. What would you advise? I also don't want to be like quote unquote, you know, as women, again, you don't want to be labeled as you're this mean overcome yes um you mm. know like you just don't want to be that person again but then again it's like if it's you're true. so kind and happy and you're nice and you're treating all your employees as family again they take advantage like there's a huh, there's a thin rope and yeah. I think we are all yeah. trying to um figure that out and i've been hearing a lot of concerns in that in that sense honestly like just in this mind I mean, alone. Share, share those tips, please. How important is it to speak about money in our relationships? Oh my gosh, it's so important. I think your your romantic partner is your biggest financial partner, whether you like it or not, whether you combine your finances or not. You share a house with this person. You have children together. Children are the biggest financial investment you'll ever make. Um, you just have to figure out a way to talk about money. And the earlier, the better. And, you know, if you're just starting to date, I mean, of course, you're not asking someone what's your salary, but (laughs) bring up some small things in there, you know, figure out how you pay for dates early on so that you can start understanding 
each other's languages. And I think that these conversations about money should actually go beyond our romantic relationships, even with friends. Exactly. With your siblings, with your parents, because these are your investment partners, your future investment partners. Because in, truly in life, I mean, there are a lot of opportunities that are not accessible if you don't have enough capital. Like you can't buy, you know, there's very few pieces of land that you can buy with less than $10,000, let's say. Yes. And if your first investment in land, you don't want to do it alone. You want to have people that you trust who can come in and, you know, take the risk with you. And these are the people, your siblings, your parents, your, you know, your cousins, your friends. These are the people who will do this with you. And I think it's important that we normalize having these relationships, this conversation, sorry, more often. And not just when things are so serious and you're about to marry the person. I mean, that's, you know... That's a lot of investment you've made before understanding someone. <laughs> You're about to go down the island and you're starting a crash program. Who has been the kindest to me in life? I think I have to say my dad. Yeah. And or my mom. Um, the reason why my dad came to mind first is because he has made a lot of sacrifices for us. Like to the, like my dad used to wake up at 4 a.m. when I was doing KCSE. Yeah. To wake up so that he would wake me up and he'd stay up and study with me. And all the way to, you know, as recently as last week, you're having conversations about I'm having this problem in the office and he's there, he'll stop he'll he'll stop to listen to your small problems, I guess is is the thing that I really admire about him. And he takes the time to really talk to you about it. And I think uh, that's the for me has been the biggest the most impactful aspect of his parent parenting style on me so i would say that's i would say he's the he's the he's the person who comes to mind there are many people but he's a person who comes to mind most consistently through my life i love that yeah i think i would say that also the there's a there's some uh, a lady who was my boss at Santam. her name is farai and she was very patient with training me and was a you know a very big sponsor for me in terms of she used to look for opportunities for me to shine and she was very adamant about yeah it was it was amazing what she As did we don't see that we don't see that often honestly we truly don't but she was very intentional about being like oh, okay you, you're kind of creative but you've been put in this finance world come and do this thing that's kind of creative and allow it allowed me to really shine and that put my life on a bit of a trajectory which I really appreciate so yeah if it wasn't one of my parents I would say it's it's Farai she was she was quite transformative to my career actually oh so I hope she listens. shout out Farai oh my god you. bless her like <laughs> these are the women we want like this this is what we want to see like every day I really hope that we even you and I could be those people to other people what are your aspirations like looking into the future what legacy are you aspiring to build? My aspiration is to build a global African company. Wow. I think that from this continent, we have brilliant minds, we have brilliant solutions, and they should be able to be used by people around the world. Um, whether it is my own and my own entrepreneurship venture or somebody else's that I help get there, I think that's something that in my life I have to be a part of. Because it doesn't make sense to me how we are 1.2 billion of us and we are still consuming, you know, products from America and Asia and Europe and people don't consume our products. I, I think it's, it's, uh, that has to change. Yeah. So that's, 
what I that's what I gotta build. Oh, I love it. I, I and you're just like you're on it, like you're on the way there. Yo, I can't wait for to host you, you in my mini dinner parties as you talk as you talk about this <laughs> and more. <laughs> Amen, amen, amen. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What from your lips to God's ears? <laughs> what mantra do you live by? Put your best foot forward always. Yeah. Put your best foot forward always. Just do your best. Like, even if no one's looking, even if it's like making your bed, just do it properly. I love that. <laughs> and doors will open, I think. Um, yeah good people had to come by so be one of those people and the person who finds you will cherish you at 51st coffees we have a tradition where Mm -hmm. i get to ask each of my coffees a lightning round of five questions so are you ready (laughs) i'm ready i'm ready question one when was the last time you did something for the first time and what was it Oh, I got married last week. Yo. <laughs> what? That's definitely the first time I did that. You yeah. are living the dream. Because of this weddings at this time, the best. Isn't it the best? Please tell me it's the best time to do a wedding. Honestly, it's the, the best. It was exactly. It was, you know, it was fantastic. It was I was able to live my Pinterest dreams because it doesn't cost an arm and a leg. It was great. <laughs> amazing (laughs) question two what's the biggest lesson you've learned this year when you make plans god laughs (laughs) i think i've also learned the importance of community yes yeah yeah that has that actually actually i think that's been a bigger lesson that your community is so important in making you or breaking you i love that Question three, name one person you would love to have coffee with and why? Coffee. I think Michelle Obama. Yes. Um, why? Because I think she is a phenomenal person on her own, but has been able to have a relationship that so itself is also powerful and also have a partner who themselves is, is you know, he is powerful as well. And they don't outshine each other and they don't, there's no shadow, you know, one of them doesn't have to regress for the other to shine. And I think that's amazing. I, th- I would love to hear how she's managed that and how she's run her family, you know, in more detail than she goes into in her book. And yeah, just to understand, like, how did they, like, how was it that day when he said, I'm going to run for president? I would love to, to yeah. get, the, get the exact <laughs> reaction. <laughs> you know like was she was it really okay you know (laughs) question four what is one thing you know for sure i am who i am and no one should change that and no one should tell me that i'm not that person wow i think that's the one thing i know for sure like anyway i'm not gonna change that much that's deep. <laughs> <Yeah>. Question <laughs> Question five. How do you take your coffee? I love me a good chai latte. Yo. Some spice in there mixing a little nicer. How did I just know you are not like so you are not basic with your coffee? I just knew. I knew I had a gut feeling. <laughs> she had a feeling. The rest of us, like me. <laughs> 
May that reputation precede me, please. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. This has been like what? Like an amazing Friday afternoon chat. I can't believe it's a Friday afternoon. Um, the energy. It feels I like Monday. <laughs> it really does. Thank you so much for having me. This was fantastic. Oh, thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. <laughs> and I cannot wait to keep hearing what you're doing here. These conversations are great. They're very motivating. Aww. So please please bring us more. That means so much to me. Like for real. <laughs> like just to hear like someone say that so thank you so much congratulations on everything and yo like we are manifesting together these big dreams and i can't wait to see them happening amen <laughs> So what are you waiting for? Check out Africa's Pocket at Africa's Pocket for all your tools to help you manage and grow your money from car ownership to pensions to budgeting tools. It's all on their page and it's really easily consumable content like amazing. So do show do share with your friends, do share this episode, do share with people like let's get our money mindset right. Let's manifest money and I want to know, do you believe in manifesting money? If so, how do you do it? I'm so curious like let me know. <laughs> Follow us at 51st Coffees on Instagram and at Fast Coffees on Twitter and do subscribe and favorite wherever you listen to this podcast until we meet again happy coffees y'all